This is Endless Reverberations. I'm Tree Mabry. Who built Thebes of the Seven Gates? In the books you will find the name of kings. Did the kings haul up the lumps of rock? August 20th was the first day uh, of college, actually, uh, 2007, uh, first day of the semester. I didn't know anything on August 20th. You know, even the even the smallest details, like you know, where was the first sidewalk? I I I, I remember crossing my first street, which was right right across from you know right in front of my residence hall, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, I actually crossed a street." First time that happened in my life, like I actually crossed a proper street. Um, yeah, because as I said, I'd never done it before, which a lot of people will find weird. I mean, it's only a short distance, but again, for me. That was the most amount of independent walking I'd ever done. And I was uh, 17 at that time. Um, I'd never actually even stepped out of uh, my main door, the house, like, independently. So, ever. And Babylon many times demolished, who raised it up so many times. On August 20th, 1619, a ship named the White Lion sailed into Point Comfort, Hampton, Virginia. The fledgling American colony saw nothing significant about this ship. In fact, the cargo that it brought seems to have been a bit of a disappointment. The only reference to this cargo that we have comes from a letter written by a colonist named John Rolfe, who wrote that the ship brought, quote, not anything not anything but twenty and odd Negroes. Thus marks the arrival of the first ever Africans to the British American colonies. The first ever African Americans. In what houses of gold glittering Lima did its builders live? Where, the evening that the Wall of China was finished, did the Masons go? Um, do you want it pronounced the way it's supposed to be pronounced, or like however you want to say it? Just it's not the name of the fish. <laughs> it has an A in it, not, not not an O. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Yep. And you know, but people call it Hater, Hider, Hider. Um, so either way, it's fine. Hi, my name is Salman Heather. I am 25 years old, and I am from Pakistan, a country which doesn't have a lot of uh, know-how, a lot of awareness about disabilities, people with disabilities, how to deal with people with disabilities, what accommodations are or available or can be made available or how they can be implemented, things of that nature. I mean, there's no laws per se. My vision back in the day was was a lot better like I could sit at the back of class and read the board and then I had to gradually start moving to the center and then to the front and then if you're an overseas and you have a disability I mean knowing like how little there is for people with disabilities how few the opportunities are I had a I, my, this, my school principal um, he was the biggest motivator and he'd been to other countries too so he knew what was out there what kind of opportunities what kind of accommodations or assistance or different facilities were available in various countries and from a very young age he'd always motivated me like you know he he got in you know he tried to put it in my head that you know 
you know, once I graduated high school, you know, I should I should definitely consider going overseas. He was very, very supportive of the fact that, you know, I had to I had to get that opportunity to make a better career, a better life for myself, because I wouldn't get that over there in my country. If it hadn't been for him, I mean, I, I, I don't know. But I don't know if I would have had that confidence in me to try. So if it hadn't been for him, like, how would I have known, you know, what what I could accomplish? So, no, I'd really have to put, like, give, give him the credit, because from a very young age, I began to learn about all those things. And that really helped me in making up my mind and making up and, and, and my family to make up their minds that, you know, I was actually going to do it. I mean, we were a pretty closely knit family. You know, you're about to just walk out and with all the challenges that you have, uh, people are not going to be very supportive. Um, so not, not many people were. Because, again, I came from a culture where all this stuff was unheard of. So I, mean, I had a lot to prove to many people that, you know, it can happen. I mean, it, it, it may be difficult, it may be challenging. They can happen. So I had a lot to prove to myself and then others too, so that they could be, whether that's family or whoever, so that they, be, they could be more comfortable that, hey, he's all the way on the other side of the world and he's able to do all of this stuff. Because I had that belief that it could work. Imperial Rome, with all its arcs of triumph, who erected them? Over who did the Caesars triumph? We are left with more questions than answers when it comes to those 20 and odd souls who found themselves in a strange, unknown world that August 20th, almost 400 years ago. What were their names? Who were their families and loved ones? Did those loved ones ever find out what happened to their sons and daughters? Their wives and husbands? Their mothers and fathers? Torn away from their home, their culture, and their freedom. We do know that those 20 and odd people probably came from the west coast of Africa, perhaps from Angola or the kingdom of Ndango. They probably spoke the Kimbundu language. Perhaps they worked in the markets at one of the urban centers in the area, such as Angolim, trading in imported fabrics. Or perhaps they lived in one of the rural communities, tending livestock and raising crops such as millet and sorghum? Did they know Christianity from the Portuguese priest who brought the gospel to these communities? Or what about the guns that the Portuguese brought to these communities a few years after Christianity came? Guns that were meant to throw the region into upheaval. Which end of the guns were those 20 and odd souls on? When they were captured and marched to the coast of Africa, tied together by the neck with leather thongs, did they hold tight to each other for support and comfort? How did they feel when they could no longer support their companions, who fell to the ground, exhausted by the many-day march and the lack of food and water? Companions who were cut from the group and killed by their taskmasters because they couldn't go any farther. Did those 20 and odd people understand when they were branded by their captors, that they would carry the cruel marks of ownership for the rest of their lives. When they were loaded into the dark hull of the Portuguese ship, the San Juan Batista, did they know that as many as half of their companions would not emerge from the darkness alive? Did they know that none of them would ever see their home again? 
Had Byzantium, much praised in song, only palaces for its inhabitants? I'll tell you this. When I got to that campus that first day, um, I even thought to myself, I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this because this is huge. Like, you know, it was really overwhelming. But I never let that out. I mean, it was just a thought that came to my head, like, I've never done this before, so I don't know if I can do this. Uh, It was just... uh, Definitely a thought, you know, that I had. I don't think I'll be able to, but I'm going to try. I always wanted to. And at this point, everything is really overwhelming to me because, you know, I'm practically in a in a different world, a new world. I communicated with the Office of Disabilities at my school. You know, I asked them about what would be the best way for me to go about getting oriented with the place and stuff. And... Again, this again was a term that I didn't hear. I have never heard of before getting here. It was uh, orientation and mobility, O&M. And they sent me a list of all these O&M instructors in Indiana, and it was kind of like up to me. They were like, well, this is a person who will provide you training to do this, and you have to get in touch with them. I uh, was asked to just, yeah, just pick somebody. (laughs) So I just kind of randomly selected a couple of names and called them up and told them that, I'm new here, and I was just given this number by so-and-so, and I'm wanting to see if you can help me with whatever is orientation and mobility. And um, well, the first one I called, they never answered, left them a voicemail. The second one, they were like, yeah, we can do it. And then they set up a time for me. And they were like, you know, the earliest they could be there would be August 20th, which was also the start of the semester. I really was relying on this ornament instructor to show up and one provide me training in whatever way and to orient me to campus and help me get around all in the all in that one day uh, which I didn't know how that would be possible and even in legendary Atlantis the night the seas rushed in the drowning still bellowed for their slaves the San Juan Batista set sail from the African port city Luanda in late May with its cargo of 350 Africans, including the 20 and odd individuals who were fated to become the first African Americans. They began the long voyage to Veracruz, Mexico, where they would become slaves in the silver mines for life. Over a month into its voyage, the San Juan Batista was attacked by two pirate ships, the Treasurer and the White Lion. Did the terrified 20 and odd Africans cry out in alarm as the cannonballs from the pirate ships slammed into the darkness of the hull of the San Juan Batista, crippling the vessel and forcing it to surrender its cargo? Did the sudden sunlight hurt the eyes of this cargo? Frightened eyes that had not seen sunlight for over a month? as the harsh rays fell upon the black faces that doubtlessly disappointed the pirates who were hoping for silver. Did the twenty and odd Africans have any idea what was going on when they were brought out of the suffocating tomb of the Portuguese ship, only to continue their journey into the unknown aboard the White Lion? The young Alexander conquered India. Was he alone? August 20th arrives, and... All I know is that I have an ONM instructor showing up, uh, and, you know, I didn't even know where to go find him. I told him where exactly I was, and found me, like, you know, uh, came and knocked my door. And that's where 
that's where it really started. Because I'm with this new person. The first thing he gave me was he brought a couple of canes, which he gave me both of them. I remember stepping out and, you know, like him teaching me how to hold it, you know, how to feel for things. And I had it in my head that this thing in some way was going to make me independent. So I actually felt that freeing feeling. <laughs> so in my mind, it was like, oh, this is something magical. It's going to take you a long way. I'm, I'm walking with this on my own. I'm learning to walk. Walking to that street, to that corner, you know, with that cane, trying to keep in sync the technique is you're, you're, if you're taking your left your step, putting your left foot forward, the cane should be on your right. Keeping all of that in mind and then stepping onto the street, it was, it was a big moment. It, you know, it's pretty significant. Caesar beat the Gauls. Did he not even have a cook with him? We know that after several months at sea, the White Lion finally arrived at Point Comfort with not anything. Not anything but 20 and odd Negroes. We know that these 20 and odd souls were purchased for a single chest of maize, purchased primarily by the leaders of the colonies, such as the governor of Jamestown, Sir George Leadley. We know that these first African Americans had just survived a journey of untold anguish, surviving a death march, pirates, and unspeakably inhumane conditions. We know that their journey of anguish was just beginning as they set foot on this alien land. We know that over half of these 20 and odd individuals died within their first four years in America. We know that these individuals were just the first of million and that entire industries and economies grew out of their forced labor, grew from the seeds of those 20 and odd souls. Philip of Spain wept when his armada went down. Was he the only one to weep? About the first 15, 10, 15 minutes, you know, I was just focusing more on just, just walking and tapping, the tap technique and walking. All I did was just, just navigate that sidewalk to the next street over and then back and then start over again. And, you know, a lot of times, like, I mean, I was corrected with the way I was holding the cane, the way I was feeling for things, the way I was, you know, I had to feel for steps or, you know. And then if I needed to get to my class, I needed to find a way to it. And so um, we were trying to figure out what the, best and the easiest way for me would be. We did figure that out eventually and then we started gradually walking more like further up. I figured out this sidewalk is I was I just had this one sidewalk to focus on and that was it. Nothing through campus, nothing around campus, this this very straight shot. That's how I was taught. It started raining really hard and it wouldn't stop. It wouldn't stop. It it was puddles everywhere and it was pouring pouring we kept doing practicing and repracticing like you know do do it once go back then start from the beginning and do it till that point and then add some more and then go back there was this one time where <laughs> even even the O&M instructor got lost so we had to retrace and things like that uh, and we got lost because again the rain was a big problem I mean you know we couldn't take the map out and if we took the map obviously it was wet so you have to step in then look back then go 
I mean, it took more time. I obviously was confused too because I wanted to keep, like, I'm trying to map this all out in my head. You know, make sure that, okay, this is the direction we went. So, you know, I'm trying to keep all those in my head. So I'm obviously nervous at the same time. And then we get lost. So we, we're retracing. And then I'm making sure that I know exactly where I am. And eventually we, we managed to find where I needed to go. And then I practiced that route about two, two times, I think. So I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of walking. Uh, it's about close to about six, seven hours of, of walking is what we've done in the rain. And all we really, I mean, if you look at it, all we've accomplished is just figure out a way to get to my class. Just this one way. I knew that my O&M instructor was going to leave before my class started. So I had to go back that same route without him being around. Frederick the Great won the Seven Years' War. Who else won it? We are left with more questions than answers when it comes to those 20 and odd souls who found themselves in a strange, unknown world that August 20th, almost 400 years ago. Were the two Africans called Antony and Isabel part of that first group? We can't know for sure, but they probably were. We do know that their names were not Antony and Isabel, that is, at least until they arrived in America and were given those names by their masters. We also know that in 1624, Five years after that August day, Antony and Isabel had a son named William Tucker, who was the first ever African-American born in America. We don't know what kind of life William Tucker had. We don't know if his parents told him stories of their homeland, or if they thought that such stories would simply be too hard for William to hear. We don't know if William grew up to have a family of his own, or even if he grew up at all. Did William Tucker live to see slavery officially recognized in Jamestown Law in 1662? Was William alive in 1667 when the Jamestown General Assembly declared that the baptism of slaves was not grounds for their freedom? Clearing up the momentary concern that white churchgoers had that offering slaves Christian salvation also entitled them to earthly salvation. We don't know if William Tucker lived into old age, but if he did, we do know that his funeral would have been small because of a law passed in 1680 outlawing large gatherings of African Americans for funerals. Every page of victory. Who cooked the feast for the victors? I had a bit of a shock during training. That was also as the funding part, since I'm not a citizen, I would not, you know, I mean, there wasn't anything like uh, any financial help or anything I could get with this, which was not difficult for me because, I mean, I didn't have all the funds to pay for it. Um, it was really expensive. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, then then I, I, I was really stuck because it, it turned out to be, it was I was being charged at $60 an hour. Seven hours, so you can, you can do the math on that. That's $420 right there. And so at this point now, I'm like, I really need to be quick and figure things out because I don't know if I can afford this pass today. Um, it it put, put a lot of pressure on me. It did because 
I didn't have a lot of money. It's not like I walked in there with a lot of money. Um, and and knowing that, I depend like if 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 this continues, then you know my bank account that I just opened a few days ago is probably going to be empty after today. So you know, that's where I was like, you know, I mean, it's raining, and then I have to figure all of this out. I went in my first class. So at this point, I'm almost broke. <laughs> And then after that, that was the first time. Just, you know, it was like from this point to next point, and then from then to that. And then just retracing my steps. Don't veer off of any of the paths and, you know, any of the, like, don't. I was very nervous about it. I hope I don't take the wrong turn. I hope, like, you know, like, so I was trying to make sure I had all the landmarks in my head. I'd be, I'd be lost. Really lost. And I did okay. I didn't veer off of the path, the sidewalk or anything. I I was able to keep all of that in my head, like because I'd done it a couple of times so the way back. Like that was the first time that I did it completely independently, off of the techniques that I'd been taught that day. If I could walk a little faster, be a little less nervous, and like you know, there was a little more spring in my step. Every ten years, a great man who paid the bill. On August twentieth. 2011, the first annual African Landing Commemoration Day was held in Point Comfort, Hampton, Virginia. Prayers were made and songs were sung to remember the 20 and odd. So many reports. What changed it for everybody was once I got through my first semester, and by the end of the first semester, I actually felt good. Like I actually felt like I'd accomplished quite, I'd learned quite a bit. But what changed it for everybody, especially back home, was when I traveled home for the first time. Once I got home, um, I walked out, like, that's where I feel like everybody was like, you know, he actually got through an entire semester, and he traveled independently, and he came home. So many reports. Also in 2011, President Obama signed a presidential proclamation declaring Point Comfort a national monument. So many reports. Later on, you know, what, what was what was really good for me was my sister decided to, like, she, she didn't have any intention of coming to the U.S. to study. Then through me, um, my sister, who's also visually impaired, she got that confidence to actually come here. That allowed me to be her mentor. So that was big for me because I had learned from my experiences because I knew what the challenges I, the, the, you know, what kind of challenges I had faced. So, you know, being able to be through them and you know assist her with that. She never needed to get an OM instructor. Um, so, so many reports. This proclamation read in part: Old Point Comfort in Virginia has a storied history in the defense of our nation and the struggle for freedom. So many questions. I talked to the Department of Disabilities and I said to them, well, you know, expressed to them some of the concerns and challenges that I had had. And I was like, you know, I mean, this is really difficult for students who come here. I mean, they don't know what to what to expect or what to do. So I kind of promoted the idea of having some sort of a program, like a peer mentor program. I promoted the idea and it, it did come to fruition. So being able to be a source of info slash guidance for these new students was definitely really fun. So many questions. The first enslaved Africans in England's colonies in America were brought to this peninsula on a ship flying the Dutch flag in 1619. 
beginning a long period of slavery in the colonies and later this nation. 242 years later, Fort Monroe became a place of refuge for those later generations escaping enslavement. So many questions. You know, I, I graduated um, in, in, you know, got through my degree and obviously got a lot more confident and everything. So many questions. Thus, Old Point Comfort marks both the beginning and the end of slavery in our nation. Questions. 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 I got a job as a assistive technology instructor. That's what I'm working as today. Again, it's a way for me to contribute to somebody's life and which, whichever way I can. We get people who have different challenges who want to pursue certain goals in their life. And I mean, I've, I've been that person. There's no better feeling in the world to be able to know that, hey, you were able to contribute to somebody's life in whatever small way it was, but you were able to make that difference. I absolutely love my job. Like, it's a very fun way to continue to learn and contribute to somebody's life and not many people get that opportunity so I'm I'm very grateful for that. Today, August 20th, 2015, over 2,500 people will arrive in America. 2,500 stories, 2,500 questions. I want to give a big thanks to Salman Heather for sharing his story. Also, big thanks to Allie Mabry and Jesse Mabry for reading the poem you heard throughout this piece. It's called Questions from a Worker Who Reads, and it's from a German poet named Bertolt Brecht. Endless Reverberations is an exploration of the stories that shape us. I want to explore stories of the so-called great events and figures of history, along with the stories that you and I experience every day, because the themes of humanity reverberate through all of our stories. Storytelling is a communal activity, though, and I can't do this without your help. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, which is also where you can let me know what you think of the show so far with a rating, which really, really helps the show. You can learn more about the show at its website, EndlessReverberations.com, where there are links to the music used in this episode, as well as links to the show's Facebook and Twitter accounts. You can also email the show at EndlessReverberations at gmail.com. I can't tell you how honored and humbled I would be to hear any personal stories you would like to share, and maybe we can share your story on the show, just like Salman's story. Until next time, remember, all stories reverberate if we listen.